Guten morning, Paul. Good morning. Come into the office, pull up a seat. How are you looking well? How are you feeling today? Uh, pretty good, Dr. Health and Safety. I mean, we've we still got to keep our distance, but we can actually be in person now. So what would you like to talk about uh, in this session, Paul? Oh, I've been reading Forever Evil, which is a, a great story. It's about um, the, the Justice League face their opposites. So they're an alien league. Ali- an alien legion, maybe. Uh, no, no, no. They're, they're humans with superpowers. They're, they're lazy and they sit around and debate things, yeah? Uh, no, not so much. So, you know, you've got you know a woman who's the opposite of Wonder Woman. So she's not very wonderful at all. She's hideous to look at. And and what uh, what's the opposite of a Superman? He's just a plain boring office worker. This this makes no sense. I'll just go back to reading it, okay? Uh, no, no, you've got me intrigued. Come on, you're... No, wait a minute, i got to stop. I'm about to get DC OCD. This is not good. Everything is topsy-turvy. Everything is flipped around. Black is white. White is black. Paul, what have you done to me? Ah! To DC OCD, the DC events podcast where we're looking at every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985 all the way up to wherever we get to, but we're going in order, we're going year by year, and we have reached 2013, where we're going to look at Forever Evil, right smack dab in the middle of New 52, when New 52 was a thing. And I am joined by, um, well, I've got a mic on my head, and I've got two mics on the line with me, I've got Mike Bailey. Hi, Mike. Hey. And I've got Mike Garvey. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Yes. So those of you who don't know Michael Bailey, that's probably weird. He is a, a bit of a Superman fan, a bit of a Batman fan, and um, yeah, a fairly fresh podcaster, new, exciting new voice in the podcasting world. <laughs> How long have you been podcasting? Since 2007. 2007. Oh, right. Uh, well, I got that intro wrong. Mm. Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> And well, Michael does sort of the opposite of what I do in that he prepares thoroughly and does you know long, long monologues of um, detailed stuff, and you know he thinks about what he says, which um, you know not really my thing. <laughs> yes, and yeah. you know, and of course, Mike Garvey from Waiting for Doom, the excellent Doom Patrol podcast that uh, made the Doom Patrol TV show happen. So. Yeah, the, the best and only Doom Patrol related podcast you should listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Forever Evil. This is a seven-issue miniseries. It came out uh, in 2013, as I said. It was written by Jeff Johns, but there were elements of it written by Jeff Lemire and Ray Fawkes. The central miniseries had all consistent art from David Finch with uh, inks by Richard Friend, Ivan Raz, Joe Prado, and yeah, on some covers. And it was lettered by Rob Lee with Carlos Mungle and coloured by Sonia Oback, and it was all edited by Brian Cunningham. But they did kind of tie in a few things into this. So, um, you Just know, a few. In yeah. An, yeah, 
in an attempt to um, recreate some of the excitement of uh, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Are you familiar with Countdown to Infinite Crisis, Michael Bailey? Uh, I, you know, I have a passing familiarity with it, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like I would ever say, "Hey, let's do an entire month full of uh, shows about it." Oh no, no. Yeah. I don't want to do that. No. Yes, for those who don't get my sarcasm, we're actually dragging Michael away from um, jail, May, right at this moment to record about forever evil so you know good multitasking <laughs> uh, oh it's it's it, i'm uh, it's easy to get distracted from countdown to infinite crisis so, as much as i like it <laughs> yeah so they did a miniseries called the uh forever evil arkham war which was all about bane uh there was forever evil argus which is mostly following uh steve Trevor and his adventures to rescue people. Um, there's the Forever Evil Rogues Rebellion, which is about the Flash villains doing their own thing because they don't, they never toe the line, do they? Um, there was some Suicide Squad issues, some Justice League issues. There was Trinity of Sin Pandora. Pandora's back, woo! Yeah. And um, some Justice League of America and Justice League Dark. Constantine and uh, a few issues of Phantom Stranger, and they were mostly involved in a sort of a story called Forever Evil Blight, which we will discuss briefly, but the name is absolutely fitting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Michael Bailey, do you want to give us a quick synopsis of the synop? Yeah, and this is just mainly the, the the main series. This isn't really getting into the weeds of the of the crossovers and such. Uh, basically, Earth three has been decimated. So the crime syndicate made up of Ultraman, Superwoman, Owlman, Johnny Quick, Power Ring, Atomica, and for like five seconds at the end of Trinity or Sea King, come to the New Fifty Two world to take it over. Having gotten rid of most of the Justice League, they make short work with the rest of the Earth, and they also kidnap Nightwing and unmask the, mask him because Dan DiDio hates Nightwing. Rising <laughs> against the syndicators is the GJAS, the Jeff Jones All-Stars, I call them. Lex Luthor, a new version of Bizarro, Black Manta, Captain Cold, Black Adam and Sinestro, eventually join forces to take on the syndicate. It takes about seven issues to get that done. And Batman and Catwoman get in on the act too. There's a lot of characters doing stuff that really doesn't matter. And the syndicate is scared because it looks like whatever destroyed their world has found them. The final ha fight happens uh, between the syndicate, the Jeff John all-star seriously, someone needs to go back in time and make sure the challenge of the super friends never happened. And all of this would be undone. And the <laughs> prisoner, the syndicate brought with them. Did I mention that they had a hooded prisoner? Yeah, they had a hooded prisoner like since I think Trinity war. Anyway, it turns out that the prisoner is Alexander Luther of earth three. And because he's written by Jeff Johns, this Luther Alexander Luther of earth three is just awful. He says the word, <laughs> Mazaz, which is Shazam backwards, which makes him super powerful, which really should do the opposite, really, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah. and he's been sleeping with Superwoman, who is pregnant with the plot device for a future story. I mean, his kid. Uh, the syndicate is taken out. The Justice League returns. Lex Luthor kills Alexander after depowering the villain. And things slowly return to normal with Lex uh, seemingly turning a new leaf. Oh, and we find out who destroyed Earth 3. It is the Anti-Monitor to be continued into the Dark Side War. Mm. Right. Wow. Well, yeah, you've really hit all the points there. And it, it really is a sort of uh, Jeff John's greatest hits, uh, <laughs> but 
sort of uh, acoustic versions or something. It's not quite <laughs> as good as the originals. <laughs> acoustic live versions, yeah. <laughs> not, not quite there, yeah. Not, not quite there, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've got evil Lex Luthor from another universe again, and we've got uh, mm. our Lex Luthor from our universe whacking on the power armor again. So, oh, you know, the, it feels very, very familiar and retready. Um yeah, and leading into this, I should mention this, there was a Villains Month where they did all these Villains issues in all the regular titles, so they they became .5 issues, and the Villains all got a story, and um, lots of different people contributed them, very few of them matter at all, there's probably... <laughs> Uh, maybe two or three you could read. There's the Lex Luthor one, where Lex Luthor kills a whole bunch of astronauts just because he knows Superman isn't there to save them. Um, so <laughs> if you're worried about Lex being reformed, he is not reformed in the issue immediately before this. Um, and there's also one about the new Killer Frost, who is very strongly based on the TV show for some reason. So, Caitlin Snow. Um, and she is a major player in the Argus miniseries, hanging around with Steve Trevor. And... What else? Oh, there's a one about the syndicate, which is basically the uh, the very grisly and gory origins of uh, the outsider and what happened to mm. uh, their universe's Dick Grayson. Uh, spoilers: He got cut up and stuck in a box. Uh, lots of lots of little boxes. So. <laughs> Can I mention a really weird lead-in that that wasn't actually in a comic? Uh, uh, there, no? there's a reality show called Ink Masters, mm. which is oh, yes. a, a, a tattoo, and they did an episode with Greg Capullo as the guest judge, and the challenge was to do a tattoo of a DC villain. Ooh, it was synergy to try to kind of all you know, start pointing towards the Villains Month. They also released a documentary uh, called Necessary Evil that was all about the villains of the DC universe that made me kind of want to punch Brian Azzarello in the face. Uh, but it's actually a really well done. It was a well done documentary, uh, but it, it was just like one of those things. It's like, oh, surprise, DC's talking about its villains again. Shock, gasp. But mm. I... I'm going to get out of this snarky thing. I'm sorry. I, I feel like I'm being really <laughs> negative right off, but um, I'm going to I'm gonna stop that. I'm going to try to be more positive. Uh, I actually like a lot of Brian Azzarello's stuff, and I want to punch him in the face most of the time. So. <laughs> 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 mm. All right. So, uh, Mike Garvey, what do you think were the biggest deals, the most enjoyable character bits, and the cool stuff? Uh, for me, I really like Bizarro in this. Sweet Bizarro, brought to life by Lex. He was just this poor, dumb, violent creature. Um, and, you know, even when he's putting on the the shirt with the S on inside out and, and Luther's having a go at him about that, and it's kind of, oh, fine, whatever. Um, I really like Bizarro in this. Um, I really like there were some buddy-buddy moments between uh, Black Adam and Sinestro that I quite enjoyed. Um, yeah, the... It's a very big kind of sprawling mess in some ways, but it's also enjoyable in other ways. Um, there were parts of it that frustrated me. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Uh, if you've if you've just finished reading Trinity War and it says to be continued in Forever Evil One, and you go to Forever Evil Ooh. One, and there's no Justice League whatsoever, and you're like, uh, uh, okay, sure. Um, and I know it's to build dramatic tension with this question as to where is the league? Where have they gone? And it's not until the third issue that you get told in flashback as to what happened to them. That drove me nuts. 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- things like in Forever Evil number one, I believe it is, there's the, the massive, uh, I believe it's called a gatefold page, uh, the, with the massive gathering of all the villains. Um, that was some cool art there. The unmasking of Dick Grayson was a bit of a <gasps> moment when I, I remember reading it back in the day. And then rereading it now, it's like they never really followed through on their threat to hurt all the people that Dick <laughs> Grayson loved and knew. Uh, and hmm. the fact that they could have done a subplot about, hang on a minute, doesn't Dick Grayson know a guy called Bruce Wayne? And wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of not really touched on until Luther is, you know, back in his cave uh, assessing things at the end. So, But... <laughs> Um, yeah, I like Luther getting together the team of, of bad guys to save the world from the other bad guys. Uh, and I was I, I read for this episode, I, I basically read the seven-issue mini and the main Justice League book, issues 24 to 30. And I really enjoyed how in Justice League 30, Luther turns up and says, Hey, guys, you've got to admit, I saved the world, so um, I've built you a new watchtower and out of space, and I should be part of the Justice League. And they're all kind of like... Mm, nah, yeah, maybe not. But that was an interesting development. Um, what was the other thing that drove me nuts? Oh, Metallo! <laughs> <laughs> Metallo gets his kryptonite heart ripped out in, I think it's issue four of Forever Evil. And you think, oh, okay, Metallo's been wiped out, taken care of. No, 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 he's back and alive and well in Justice League 30. When they're trying to track, when the league are trying to track down Lex. So, yeah, it was, it was good crazy fun it's it's pretty dark and violent though and there's some some weird <laughs> interesting scenes where uh johnny quick grabs uh captain cold's freeze gun or cold gun sorry he doesn't freeze things he make just makes them cold and then <laughs> captain cold's uh sings um jingle bells batman smells and the gun shoots because it's voice activated which is a nice little trap in the gun and then he just shatters johnny quick's leg i was like ouch that's not mm. cool. Uh, and when Black Adam got his uh, his chin crushed, his mouth crushed, uh, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, okay." The, when when they when they're getting into it, they just don't hold back. But there are a couple. Yeah, I yeah, it was lots of weird things going on. And and speaking of blight, um, I was reading all three Justice League books. So the main book, JL America, JL Dark, was really enjoying them all. Then when Blight came out, I was like, "Hang on." This is a crossover within a crossover. Uh, I can't afford this. And Nightmare Nurse, really? Um, what? And <laughs> she was, I believe, if I recall correctly, the impetus for me to drop that book. I was like, you know what? Nah, I can't. I can't. I cannot. Um, so I'm glad. And I think I stuck with JL America uh, because that was kind of interesting. But I couldn't find that for this reread. So I've either... They've either moved on or they're in a box somewhere. But all I remember from that is Martian Manhunter and Stargirl sort of on a quest for something, but clearly Ooh. it wasn't important enough. Ooh. Yeah. No. Blight, Blight was actually... I was collecting Justice League Dark too and quite enjoying it. And then Justice League Dark um, turned into Blight and mm. it tied in with all these books I was not into. And yes. it's what we call a uh, collector killer. So basically it's like... <laughs> Jumping off point, bye. Mm, yes. And the same, exactly the same thing to me. And it was, um, yeah, very ill-considered and unthought out. And, yeah, none of the other books were, you know, sales winners or critically acclaimed. So it was kind of like, yeesh, we're going to um, tie this into something that no one wants to read. And, um, yeah, oh, it's weird. The sales of Justice League Dark have really gone down. 
You mean this 18-issue crossover within a crossover isn't a winner? What the heck? <laughs> so, yeah. but, but overall, I, I did enjoy it. It was cool to see Lex Luthor as the narrator of this big event. There were just, yeah, a couple of things that I was just kind of like, oh, okay. And what seems to be the theme with big events in this point in time is like, the ending is not really an ending, but more of a tease for the next thing to come along with the anti-monitor showing up on the last page. I was like, oh, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, what did you think, Michael Bailey? Podcasting's um, Michael Bailey? When when this was happening and coming out, I was really into it. Uh, I remember right before Forever Evil started, I had gotten caught up on every on the Justice League books because they just, it was... One of those things where stuff just piles up and piles up and eventually you get to it, but forever evil was about to happen. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to power through all this. Mm. And uh, I really enjoyed that process because John's is really good at setting up an extended storyline. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's both his greatest strength and I think kind of a weakness because it gives him a crutch to fall back on. Uh, because, like you just mentioned, things never end. It just goes into the next story. Mm-hmm. Even Dark Side War didn't end. It just went into rebirth. <laughs> so it, I was really into the book when it was happening. I remember when I got to the final issue, and it's like, oh, my God, that's Alexander Luther. Why didn't I see that? Mike, would it get your head out of your butt? And uh, I, I did an episode of Views for Longbox about it, where, where I was really ecstatic about it. And about a year ago, I decided to reread it, and I don't know what happened to me over that time period. <laughs> but I was just like, "Why is this so mean?" And and mm. and what I mean is, is that on an objective level, this is a good story. This is a good examination of these characters. It's an awesome idea of Lex Luthor having to step up and be the hero and mm-hmm. be the one that turns the tide and bringing in all these other villains uh, with Black Adam and Black Manta and Captain Cold and I'm surprised General Zod didn't show up. I really am. Uh, but it, all these characters show up and, 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 I, and like I said, objectively you look at it it's like that's awesome if I haven't read this story 15 times before from Jeff Johns. <laughs> and I think that's what ultimately bugged me on the reread is that one, it is just unnecessarily cruel. I get that modern comic book writers want to explore the depths of depravity that a supervillain can uh, go to. You know, it's just like you know, it's it, it's not new, but it was like right around the time of Identity Crisis and in Marvel. Uh, similar things were happening, but it was more with heroes than than villains in Marvel. Uh, it just seemed like everybody was racing to the bottom to see who can do the uh, the absolute worst thing. And it just seemed like John's... It's almost like John's has a dark half, like malformed, like unformed brother that's whispering things into his head <laughs> uh, and making him write evil things. Uh, because I, I just, it's like, I want to enjoy the story more now, but the fact that everybody, everybody is terrible, everybody, uh, Mm. most of the villains are terrible and 
it, it it's like the idea of well can a villain be the hero if a worse evil comes across again it's something he's explored before i can go back to last son for lex luthor on that where lex luthor teams up with superman to take on the phantom zone villains and yells at superman about how what a danger he is and they made a meal out of that for like 15 years and it's so i say all that to say again objectively i like the team that John's put together, because I liked reading John's writing Black Adam back in JSA. Uh, I, I think he and he has a love for these villains that, again, I think stems a lot from Challenge of the Super Friends. But I grew up on Challenge of the Super Friends, so I can relate to that. The best parts of this event were the Justice League issues, the, the tie-ins, mm. uh, where they really explored like the origins of the various yeah. uh members and the, the power ring issue particularly was just really well done. Uh, and, and I, I like, <laughs> I like how basically he did bright burn before bright burn. Uh, <laughs> yes. <the> <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where, 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 where jor and Laura are just terrible people. And Jonathan uh-huh. and Martha Kent are like meth dealers. And yeah. it's just like, it's like that. I just looked at as over the top fun. Like, I couldn't even get mad at it because it was just so damn funny. Mm. Like, like that, that must have been just such a ball for him to write. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he really gets into, like, the fact that Ultraman was basically sexually assaulted by Superwoman. Mm. You know, she tied him up with the rope and kind of forced him to have sex. And there is a scene where Ultraman is with the new 52's Lois Lane. And I thought it was going to go bad quick. But thankfully, you know, mm. even John's going to go there. Uh, but it's just, I, I, I think the best parts of it were watching the team, the, the teamwork between the villains, the fact that you thought that Black Adam was going to be the guy to save everything, and he takes him out pretty quickly. And my favorite part was how Lex started looking at Bizarro like a beloved pet. Yes, mm-hmm. like. Like, like he by the end he was really sad to see him go. Yeah, and I thought that was very endearing. Yeah, that was very cool. I I also been preparing for this. I and getting back to the 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 stuff about the point issues. I remember there mm-hmm. being a mad frenzy for those lenticular cover um, issues yes. as well. And like <laughs> I I was because I was you know buying a heap of DC at the time, and I was I was well and truly into them. Um, and it was I remember the week that what was the the date? It was. The week uh, of the when comics went on sale, twenty fifth of September of, of two thousand thirteen, and I was one of the first people in the queue to get into my comic store at the time because coming out that week there was there was a few more like what was there? There was uh, Green Lantern twenty three point four, which was Sinestro. Uh, Detective Comics had a Man Bat issue, um, and all, aside from DC, I was very excited because. There was a couple of other new uh, comics starting at the time that I was very keen for, like Rat Queens and Sex Criminals from Image Comics. It was a great week for comics. But also coming out that week was Joker's Daughter. And I I was within like maybe the first half a dozen people in line. And the doors to the comic store opened. And one of the, the, the manager of the store said, look, you know, we're, we're very sorry, but we only have a very limited number of Joker's Daughter, which was the point, oh. point issue for... Uh, Batman the Dark Knight 
and I was, I think they only had like six copies of it, and so they said, look, we'll do it fair, the first six people in line will get one. And the guy behind me let, let out the biggest sigh. He was just like, oh, man. <laughs> and I turned to him and I said, look, mate, I'm, I'm not actually buying that, that series. So um, if you want it, you can have mine. Uh, I have no interest in it. I've already got enough in my pool file for this week. You know, you are more than welcome to it. He, I made that guy's day. He was over the moon. The, the manager was happy to do that. It was all really great. And then I was, I was doing some research and I thought, I wonder if I missed out on anything by not getting that. Apparently not. Apparently that issue was complete garbage. <laughs> so, I, was like, I was like, dodge the bullet. I'm really glad I stuck with what I was already ordering. So, yay. So, um, I was like, yeah, I've got no interest in that character. I'm not buying the book, mate. You are welcome to it. And I'm very glad I passed on it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I agree that the Secret Society issue was really, was an interesting um, backstory for Owlman and Earth 3's Dick Grayson, but um, yeah, the rest of them, I read like, there was a Lobo one-shot which introduced um, the new Lobo, which was, I was like, okay, what? Um, and the, <laughs> the the one that was um, the doll, the evil Dial H for Hero one, which turns out had a different artist on every single page, which was just oh, wow. <laughs> baffling. I, had, I was flipping through and I thought, this can't be right. I checked the credits. Different artist every page, so crazy time. Oh, surely that's a feature, not a bug. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I read. Uh, I was only reading the Superman books pretty much at the time in Justice League, so I didn't. I missed out on a lot of the point uh, one, uh, the point one, point two, point three issues. I, I have the omnibus uh, because I basically got it for free. And I figured at one point, I, when I got it, I was like, well, maybe I could do like a, an episode of something about this someday. And I put it on the shelf. With the Superman ones, all the action comic ones were great. All the Superman ones were terrible. I, I, it, was, it was this really bizarre, like, even split. Like, I liked all of the action comic ones. I liked the Lex Luthor one. I liked, the, I think, the, the Metallo one was one of those. But the Superman ones, it was just like, wow, this is just one damp squib after another. Like, Lebdell used one of them to further the L character that I <laughs> hated already. And it's just like, and now I learned his origin, and I went from not giving a crap to really not giving a crap. Uh, that, <laughs> that whole storyline was terrible. Um, but I, I like the idea, though, and I got to kind of hand it to DC Comics. You know, sometimes you just got to lean into what you really like. And it seems to me that during this era and a little bit before it, DC was completely and utterly in love with its rogues gallery. Mm. Uh, Marvel was in love with having its heroes fight the other heroes. DC was in love with the villains. And this was just their uh, I, I, hedonistic... Um, Roman orgy of villains. Uh, maybe that's a good way to put it. Where they just went, okay, screw it. It's just going to be an entire month of villains. It's a complete cash grab. This is We are just being completely honest about everything right now. And it's kind of like in the movie. Have you guys seen the movie The Big Short? Yeah. No. There's a scene where Steve Carell's talking about Ryan Gosling's character. And he's just like, you know, he's so honest. I, I, I kind of like him. Would I buy a car from him? No. 
But and that, that's kind of how I feel right now. It's just like I wouldn't buy a car from DiDio, but, you know, I appreciate that that he was just like, OK, we're just going to do what we really want to do anyways <laughs> and not try to disguise it. Mm. Well, I'm going to uh, criticize bits of it mostly. So uh, the Forever Evil Arkham War. Um, like I, I think Bane is a pretty cool character, and one of the things I like about him is his ruthlessness. So um, seeing him at war with the other Batman rogues and never actually hurting any of them is disappointing for eight issues. So, <laughs> yeah, and in the big villain gathering, the, uh, where Bane is actually there, and you go, okay, well, sometimes they stuff it up because they do, you know, the artist throws in characters but he has dialogue and then when you read the first issue of um his point issue he's not in that gathering at all like he's off somewhere else so he's not meant to be there in any way then you've got forever evil argus which is yeah i'll give that one a pass and rogues rebellion they sort of belong there uh the justice league uh, issues are great. I, they are part of this crossover, you know, implicitly, and I, I enjoy that. But when Justice League of America was um, basically the adventures of heroes stuck inside Firestorm, and if that doesn't sound like the definition of treading water, well, it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's appalling and it's boring. It's one of the uh, the few books. I, as soon as I bought the hardcover of that and read it, I was like, "Ooh, I want to get rid of this out of my collection as fast as possible." Wow. And so, <laughs> and I think I did. I think I sold it at a convention for like ten bu- ten bucks or something. <laughs> Jeez. Goodbye. <laughs> so yeah not into that one at all and then blight which you know lived up to its name yeah um yeah so do we think anything really spun out of this now um michael bailey you mentioned uh the dark side war and the plot device of uh superwoman's child um is that about it yeah i i, I would say that's the entirety of it because Johns takes Lex Luthor and kind of takes him away from the Superman books and puts him in Justice League. And and really, when you read the New 52 Justice League, don't read it with other New 52 books because it's just going to confuse the hell out of you. Because (laughs) Johns is existing in his own universe. I don't know if he did that as like a coping mechanism. Uh, Johns' Justice League is basically his DC universe... And then there's the rest of the DC universe that's the New 52. He doesn't care what anybody else is doing. He doesn't care how Superman is being portrayed in any other book. His Superman is his Superman. And that's why I think Justice League is one of the few New 52 books that has aged somewhat well. Because even though this had some terrible moments to it, the the run of Justice League following this is actually really good. And plays with the idea of Lex Luthor being in the Justice League in a pretty effective manner and leads to a somewhat satisfying conclusion to the to the whole to his whole run. But no one else really played like I I don't think did Black Manta even show up again in the new 52 after this. Uh, And Captain Cold went and he was in the Justice League with Lex Luthor. So, yeah, I don't think Hmm. I don't think think anybody. Black Manta had a bit of a stint in Suicide Squad after this. Okay. But you could completely ignore this in that, I'm assuming. Oh, Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I found that this event teased stuff rather than launched a heck of a lot. Like, we got teases of um, Eel O'Brien becoming Plastic Man and 
that kind of went nowhere. We got um, a whole Metal Men introduction and an arc within the story. We also got, and I can't believe I nearly forgot to mention this, we got teasers of the Doom Patrol in DC Ooh, main yeah. continuity, which just blew my mind at the time. Being uh, For those that don't know, massive Doom Patrol fan, Paul and I do a podcast called Waiting for Doom, all about them. Um, so I bought like multiple copies <laughs> of the issues they <laughs> appeared in, so I could put them in my Doom Patrol collection and my Justice League collection. That's how hyped I was for them. But again, that didn't really go anywhere at first. They do, um, the, the team, well, a, kind of a new version of the team appears later on uh, after this mm-hmm. Injustice League where Niles Calder is basically taking on Lex Luthor, which was pretty cool. Um, and again, blew my tiny little and mind. But Boy, is he a prick. <laughs> which one? <laughs> Niles Calder is, is just like, like who are we going to have that's going to be a bigger jerk than Lex? Niles Calder. Niles okay. Calder, yeah. yeah. There, there is a, yeah, there's a scene in, in the end of, of this whole arc where Niles is standing in the shadows with his new team at, at Argus, and um, Larry Trainer says, oh, so what do you want us to do, Chief? And he's like, you'll shut your mouth till I give you orders, sort of thing. And I was like, wow, okay, good start. <laughs> um, but but yeah, other than the, the holy plot device child uh, and the anti-monitor, um, yeah, I can't recall a lot else coming out of this. Yeah, it's very Johnsy, and it's... It... <laughs> Anyway, um, shall we move? Well, let's. We'll we'll play a promo for one of Mike's shows, and then we'll come back and we'll do the scoring. Did you leave the car running, Andy? I did. I'm not sure why, but I did. It, it it's important, like getting these comics from Ryan and Chris's Nightcast offices. Why are we getting these comics from Ryan and Chris? So, since Nightcast isn't covering what they originally set out to cover, I thought it would be fun to talk about the Jim Starlin run of Batman. So, we're getting the comics from them to do that. And, and they know that we're doing this? What? That we're covering Batman issues 414 to 430? Yeah, totally. I, I checked in with them and everything. So you got permission to get these comics, which includes the storylines, Ten Nights of the Beast, The Cult, and The Death in the Family. I totally told them we were covering these books, yes. And we're starting these episodes in May. That is, if you actually edit them on time. Yeah, Andy. The the series starts in May and can be found on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and at www.fortressofbailey2.com. Busting my balls and everything. All right, right. Well, let, let's, let's hurry up. There are listeners that want to hear this, and I have to get back to Atlanta in 28 hours so I can get my flight home. Oh, no problem. I got the comics right here. What's going on here? Andy? Mike? What are you doing here? Why do you have our comics? Say, Mike... Yes, Andy. We didn't get permission to take these comics, did we? No, Andy. And when you told me to get the box out of the car, you were really picking the lock to get in here? Yes, Andy. So what do we do now? Well, uh, we could try to talk our way out of this, but when I tell you to run, run! The Overlooked Dark Knight covers the Jim Starlin Batman run, a multi-part series of episodes beginning in May of 2020. From the grisly dumpster killings, to a death in the family, and everything in between. The Overlooked Dark Knight is part of the Fortress of Bailitude podcasting network, located at www.fortressofbailitude.com. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts, 
the Google Play Store, and Spotify. I'm going to barbecue your ass in molasses! Now, the, the way the scoring works... Do I have to explain how the scoring works again? Do yes. I? This really? could be someone's first right. episode. It no, could be no, someone's yes. first episode. Yeah. All right, all right. So um, we have three of us. So um, we have four categories. We get points out of 10 in those four categories. But because there's three of us, that would give us a total out of 120, which doesn't you know, mentally pass well with me. So we will halve the scores of one of us. And in this case, I will be the person who has my scores halved because I am humble and, you know, I'm a really nice guy. Anyway, uh, let's move into the scoring. So, we the first category is eventiness. So, Michael Bailey, where do you think this sits in eventiness? Explain the eventiness of this. Uh, I give it an eight because I DC went all in on it. They had an entire uh, lead-up mini-series within the Justice League books. They had Villains Month. They had the documentary. They had the thing on Ink Masters. And they had a bunch of tie-in miniseries to go with it. They had the Justice League stuff. They tried to to, to bring two great tastes that probably much didn't taste great together. The blight in the Forever Evil stuff coming together. But, you know, that's why I kind of kicked it up higher. Because it was an event with another event. Uh, so it's just like, that, that, that's huge. You know, like, like it doesn't quite kick it up to ten. But I gotta say, they... They pulled out all the stops because this was really the first big event of the New 52 in terms of having something big happen and having a standalone miniseries to go along with it. All right. And uh, Mike Garvey, what do you think? I'm going to give Eventiness a seven because, yeah, it was a, it was a big deal at the time, but I think they... I think it was a bit bloated, and things. I took points off for things like Blight, which was ambitious, but I just think, come on, we've already got it happening everywhere else, we've got the point issues happening, another 18 issues of a bad story, and Night Nurse, I'm sorry, she just, no, what? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it was ambitious, and yeah, I, like I said, I was queuing up at the comic store to get the the stuff as it was coming out, um, but it just uh, it just seemed a bit. I th- I think they aimed too high, possibly, um, and and tried to reach too far. And I don't, for me, I don't know if it was all that much of a success. Um, and plus, you know, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm trickling down another point because I'm going six. And I think, you know, because, yeah, this is a really epic scale of event, etc. But I don't think there was much cohesion. Like, uh, things happen to the Teen Titans in this. And I don't know where that's followed up on or, you know, does it matter? Like, Atomica disappears in some girl's head. I don't know who that girl is. Comes out and she looks quite, um, you know, I don't know if she's dead or she's tired or who knows. Anyway, (laughs) things like that happen. And, you know, Blight is just uh, attacked on you know, piece of garbage. Uh, Arkham War is a piece of garbage. Um, yeah, uh, there's very little expansion of it. I mean, it could easily have been a Jeff Johns event and, you know, been better, I reckon. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, what about Mike Garvey on the writing? I'm going to give it seven again. Um, it starts really cool. There's a lot going on. Then as it goes along, it gets 
it, it starts to run out of gas, I think. Um, there's a couple of moments towards the end where it picks up, uh, but then you s- turn that last page, you're like, oh, surprise, um, you're going to have to buy the next big event as well. Um, and <laughs> uh, I, I think if you stick with uh, the main miniseries and the Justice League um, tie-ins, I think that is sufficient. I don't think you need... Justice League Dark, which we all agree was a piece of garbage. Justice League America, can't even recall what was going on there, but meh, who cares. Um, and, but for all that negative stuff, there were some really nice moments in this. Uh, like I said, the the Lex and Bizarro stuff, um, the sort of few buddy moments between um, Sinestro and Black Adam, I really enjoyed. Uh, so I, I think seven's a fair score. <laughs> and what about you, uh, Mike? Uh, I'm going to give Bailey? it a seven as I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give it a seven as well, mainly because I've read all of this from John's before. So, like like I mentioned before, he and and we kind of and we've all been kind of kind of snarkily joking about it, but it I think that comes from a very honest place that all of his tricks come out, and he spent the better part of the first ten years of the two thousands just kind of making one of his light motifs being I'm going to take the villain of this book and I'm going to make him so compelling that he's really not even the villain anymore. You know, Sinestro <laughs> isn't the arch enemy of Hal Jordan. He was standing up to those jerky, jerky Owens and, you know, Black Manta, you know, Aquaman killed his father and General Zod was just standing up to that abusive science council and they look what they did to poor Nan. And, and he just made an entire team of that. So it, it, I, I put it higher, but again, I, I've seen this movie before and this is kind of the warmed over version of it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think this is a six. I think it's, uh, yeah, as, as I said before, it's um, Jen, Jeff John's best of, but maybe performed by some other orchestra. Um, yeah, it just doesn't feel quite, uh, it doesn't feel fresh. It doesn't, you know, there's so many things that we've seen before. We've seen Bizarro created by Jeff John's before. We've seen, you know, Lex in the Power Armor again. Ooh, and uh, evil Lex Luthor from another universe. It, it's, yeah. And... It is kind of lesser compared to what he'd just come off. Like, his run of JSA is magnificent and really, really, really good and goes for so long and everything in it is earned. And this seemed like, um, you know, not everything seemed earned. It just seemed trotted out. And I don't know. Do we ever want to see, you know, Ultraman snorting kryptonite? You know, oh, like- God. <laughs> see, I purposefully didn't bring that up because I knew what my reaction to it was going to be. And you actually brought up a really good point about nothing really being earned in the story because Lex Luthor in the new 52 had barely shown up. He was in Grant Morrison's first storyline where he ran away at the end. And then Scott Lubdell kind of turned him into Hannibal Lecter uh, for a very brief period. And then suddenly he's in a helicopter talking to Ted Kord's dad. At the beginning of this, like he's something mm. and I'm like, where the heck? And this is where I say Jeff Johns's new 52 is not the new 52 that the new 52 was new 52. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I give it a six. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's it's better than I could write, but it's not, you know, the best stuff that Jeff Johns has written. And as an event, it, it is 
it's strange. <laughs> like, it, it really is. You know, Jeff Johns is just linking a few stories together and they become events, basically. So, And the gaps between the uh, this story and Dark Side War is quite strange as well. Like, it's not a logical place to have a gap. Um, yeah, mm. but I guess, you know, three events back-to-back would have been too much. Yes, I pronounce it too much. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, we get to the art and covers. I think the art is pretty good throughout. It does seem to get a little bit rushed by David Finch towards the end. Um, it seems to, you know, just a little bit of work. But, you know, there's some good epic scale and there's big fights and things. And it all it's all pretty good. So I'm giving it a seven. So what about you, Mike Bailey? Uh, I'm giving it a five. And the reason why I am is... Dave Finch could not keep a face straight from panel to panel through the entire series. Oh, you, you were looking at the art. Uh, and well, here's the thing. I reviewed this for the Superman homepage as it was coming out. And one of the things we have to talk about is the art. So I was, and, and I hate talking about art because I do not have the vocabulary for that. I do not have the talent for that. I don't have a way of, you know, I always go back to the joke of, the parole officer in Hudson Hawk, ha- you know, going, I don't know what's art, but I like it. And he's got a painting of dogs playing poker in his apartment. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, you know, but the thing that I noticed throughout the entire thing is that layout wise, it's magnificent. It, you know, the, the covers are all really dynamic and poster worthy, but he could not keep faces straight. And that drove me insane. Mm. Mm. Okay, what about uh, you, Mike? Garvey? Uh, I'm going to give it a, an 8 overall because, uh, Mike, this is amazing. I have, I also have issue with the way David Finch does faces. They, it, But for me, it's like they all seem far too similar. Um, and there's, I don't know, he just can't seem to pull off believable expressions for me. Um, but other than that, yeah, like the way he lays stuff out and the action itself that happens on the page is pretty cool. Personally, I preferred the stuff that Race and Monkey were doing in the Justice League issues for this. But yeah, overall, the art is fairly consistent and it's it's really good. But it's, yeah, something about the way Finch does faces drives me nuts. It's just... <laughs> It's uh, but with the what you just mentioned, Michael. Yeah, spot on. I, I agree with that for real. Yeah, it's yeah. Ugh. Anyway, what about you, Paul? <laughs> no, you've done your bit. I've done my bit. <laughs> well, you can talk about impact and legacy, Mr. Garvey. Uh, uh, legacy. Yeah, as we said, not a heap came out of it, but I think the impact was huge because yeah, this was like the big first proper, you know, pretty much line wide event. Uh, for for New Fifty Two at the time, um, and yeah, I, I I will never forget. You know, people queuing up outside my my store to get in there to get this stuff at the time. So um, I think rereading it, its impact is lessened a little bit. So I think uh, I think seven's being fair. And uh, Mr. Bailey, uh, I'm gonna give it a five as well. Um, it, it 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 had an impact on Jeff Johns's Justice League run which you could argue had an impact on Rebirth, but not in any meaningful way. Uh, And that's pretty much where I am. It's not like people used this as a way, like an Underworld Unleashed type thing where they use this to kind of refresh all the villains of the DC Universe. It was just like everybody else ignored this, and Jeff Johns was only the one that took the ball and kept carrying it. (laughs) <laughs> well I mean, it's his ball his game his players so yeah so yeah I, I give it a four I think it has a 
a good legacy with Jeff Johns, but no one else. And yeah, and I think more and more after this, it becomes the Jeff Johns versus what everyone else is trying to do in the DC universe, particularly when Scott Snyder um, has ascendancy. So, you know, Scott Snyder ascending in the house of Johns is bad. So, mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm giving it a four. I don't, I don't think it really got to go anywhere with the rest of the DC universe. And, you know, the new 52 is, a, is, it's like an embarrassing phase for uh, the DC universe that, you know, n- nothing really belongs to it particularly now. Um, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, I remember that, that weird time when we pretended to start over and nothing really worked out quite the way we wanted it. <laughs> yeah. That's the new 52. So, yeah. And, I mean, after Rebirth, it's like, remember that time we started again but nothing really stuck and then, et cetera. Um, so. Yeah, so that gives us all our scores. So let's do some maths powers on it and turn up the maths machine. Uh, so you gentlemen, eight seven five five seven seven eight seven. That comes to a total of fifty four for the both of you, and I gave it six six seven and four, which gives me a total of uh, twenty three. So we have that rounded up. We get. 14, we add them together, we get 68, 68. So uh, it's a, we'll call this a middling success, and it uh, it's on tier with uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, Murderer, and Fugitive. So uh, not a bad place to be. Um, interesting enough, uh, Trinity War scored higher. So, and yeah, I think that was, it was ripe with potential, and then we saw this, which wasn't quite, fully realized potential anyway uh yeah so if you want to see the scores in their glory head over to the website so uh, waitingfordoom.com we have a little post for every uh, episode and there's usually pictures of things from the comics so we'll put in some of those uh, david finch faces and other cool things and um yeah you can see all the scores there you see them on the ladder you can see them in episode order uh you can see all the episodes that we have and you go oh i really want to watch that episode because i like that crossover or things like that and there's a link there for all of them or you can see the episodes in uh, ranked order. So, oh, that's the top of the list. That's the bottom of the list. Oh, look at Genesis all the way down there. Um, <laughs> you can do things like that. <laughs> so, uh, we do have some feedback, and uh, just a little bit. So, I will fire up the feedback machine. Got lots of machines tonight. Um, <clears throat> so, all right. So we heard from Martin Gray, and he said, "Great show. Always good to hear from Scott X. I know his brother, Professor." Pause for laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Mm. So he's talking about Trinity War. I remember this event had some good moments. As you say, Atomica and Element Woman were highlights. But overall, this is pretty indistinct in my memory. Just one more entry in the Jeff Johns Dandadio never-ending New 52 morass of malaise. Uh, you may notice I'm not naming the event. It's gone again. Trinity of Dumb, Pandora's Jugs. (laughs) Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Uh, Tim Price raises a good point about the non-coverage of Worlds Apart. Um, Worlds Collide, I think he means. It surely deserves a show, but but it became clear how personal your selection is when the Batman-only story, Bruce Wayne Mulderer, was chosen. Tut, boys, tut. We're always getting scolded by Martin Gray, aren't we, Mike? We are, always. We're, <laughs> I'm sorry we've let you down once again, Martin. Uh, mm. we, we are but human. We did have the choice of doing every single event and crossover and everything like that, but we decided we wanted to live. So uh, <laughs> we so, sort of decided to be selective. And there are things that I regret. You know, maybe we would have, if I'd had a clearer vision of this as we started, it, it might have gone slightly differently and we would have been more thoroughly. But there was also 
factors of, you know, there's some stuff like Worlds Collide. I used to own the entire thing and I got rid of the entire thing at one point because I didn't think I ever wanted to reread it. So, yeah, I've got to consider things like that. And reacquiring things that I got rid of, you know, it makes you feel like you've made a mistake. And, and things like availability of stuff as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and cost factor as well. Like, for me, if I had had my way... Our first episode would have been Zatanna's Search Ooh. as a story arc, because that to me is like the first crossover in DC, um, and that's you know old old JLA stuff there. But I think we did better kicking off with Crisis on Infinite Earths, <laughs> yeah, because that's the big one that everyone knows. Yeah, well, I don't own Zatanna's Search, so. no, nor have I. Paul, I have tried to find that for both of us for years, and I oh really still not had any luck. So oh golly. If only there was some sort of online resource of DC Comics that we could subscribe to and use. (laughs) (sighs) Yes, but no, apparently we are not worthy. Who could have foreseen this? Anyway, we got some comments from Jeff Arn. He said, so remember back in Flashpoint when Pandora justified herself by talking about a coming crisis, presumably this one, including Forever Evil? She specifically said resisting it would take all three source universes. So what has anyone originally from the Wildstorm universe contributed so far? Hmm. <laughs> Keep an eye out for this in Forever Evil 2. All right, so Wildstorm score zero. <laughs> There's nothing Wildstorm going on here. Um, hmm. It's almost as if they were planning things and then actually nailing down the details later. Yes. Imagine that, that couldn't be right. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's probably it for this show. So, uh, Mike Bailey, we've got a spare 20 minutes. Where can people find you? (laughs) Thank you. Um, Fortressofbailey2.com is the home of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. From Crisis to Crisis, Views from the Long Box, Overlook Dark Knight, Bailey's Batman podcast, Fortress of Bailey 2 showcase presents. You know, there's several hundred episodes of various shows that you can listen to if you are you know, quarantined or something. Uh, and I do want to mention one last thing because uh, I'm trying to avoid feedback for you. Uh, so oh. I'm saying this at the end. Yes. Dick Grayson was impacted by this series because it went into the Grayson series. Uh, but the yes. fact that none of us mentioned it shows how forgettable it was. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I knew I should have mentioned something. Yeah. Mm. But thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Oh, always. And uh, Mike Garvey, who are you? Uh, I'm Mike Garvey from Brisbane, Australia, uh, the other side of Paul's area of Australia. Uh, no, I also podcast on Waiting for Doom, uh, the Doom Patrol podcast. Paul and I uh, are on that, and we also do The Gary Show, and we also do DCOCD, which is a show you and I listen to. And you can find all oh. that stuff at waitingfordoom.com. Lovely plugging. Um, so that probably means that next time we're doing a podcast, it will probably be a Waiting for Doom, and we're probably discussing some Giffen Clark Doom Patrol goodness. Oh, yes, um, yes. Yeah, and I think the next event is Multiversity, but honestly, there's going to be a big gap before we do that, because I need to get my head right for that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at DCOCDcast, and send us emails to DCOCDcast at gmail.com, and of course, waitingfordoom.com. It's an easy place to leave comments. Most people do it there. All right, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, we'll talk to you all about events soon again later. Bye. Keep on eventing.
that gathering at all like he's off somewhere else so he's not meant to be there in any way oh. okay. hang, on, hang on I've just got to my wife wants something for a sec Check something out too. Sorry, guys. That's okay. You have to go check something out too. I'm back. I'm back. Just Kylie driving off in my car somewhere. Good eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she took the TV. <laughs> <laughs>